How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again. Been a while since we've been uh, doing our regular study. Uh, so we're working our way through the book of 1 Peter. <clears throat> we're up to chapter 4, down to verse 12. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea, grab your coffee, and... and uh, join in and if you have any comments questions issues insights regarding the study at hand please by all means go ahead ask away be glad to hear from you if it's not related to the topic at hand though if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast as we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing as much as we can okay so going down through uh this study as we see, again, as a quick summarization, we see Peter talking an awful lot about the, the character, the, the reason, the purpose uh, of the saints, of the disciples, how we are to imitate the, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, and how we are royal priests, living temples, and all these things, and what this means in regard that our personal ideas and feelings of reaction and interaction are irrelevant that we die to self and we give up all things to the lord this is what this is about <clears throat> and as we see if we back up in verse 11 of first peter chapter 4 verse 11 if any man speak let him speak as the oracles of god so even just take these kinds of pictures that, that we see here these these uh, descriptions think about it an oracle of God, a servant of God that speaks for the Lord, by the Lord, by the power of the Lord, to share the word of the Lord. Okay, think about the character of that person in, in all interaction with the world. This is what Peter is getting at. Now, in going down through here in his description of all these things, as we see, uh, he's now uh, going to be... Uh, approaching us from an, another angle, another aspect to, to consider, and that is the response from the world, how the world will respond to us. We're going to be going through that a little bit today, so there you go. So take your Bibles, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, and uh, make sure to grab your notepad and pen and pencil, whatever, to make sure you're taking down the notes, and as well, very importantly, Grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, come join us at the table. Time to study the Word of God. Amen. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, again, if we back up to chapter 3, verse 15. This is uh, you could use as the springboard verse of the book of First Peter. As First Peter is the the temple book, the priesthood book, the one where he talks about how we are all built together as lively stones under a spiritual house. Our royal priests of the living God, we're living temples of the living God. <clears throat> but uh, chapter three, verse fifteen. Chapter three, verse fifteen. It says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts." And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now, what does that mean? To put first, uh, to, um, to die to self, to 
live for the Lord, the Lord would live through you to sanctify is to make holy, to, to make holy, useful, purposeful for the Lord. So to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and to be ready always to give an answer. So now we see uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So see determination of heart, of faith, of purpose, of life, that which is the center of life is the heart. And be ready always to give answers so you see your mind is now held captive and seeking to always be ready your hands are always ready to work and do so we see in first peter 3 15 uh, the order the the ordinances of the priest is to seek to serve the lord to speak for the lord to any and all who would who would need it now as we're serving the lord we can run into a lot of trouble this is one thing i have talked about before uh, to try to help people to stay encouraged when everything just goes wrong. <laughs> this is one of the hardest lessons. How to handle this, how to cope with this when everything just seems to go wrong. Like you're working for the Lord, living for the Lord, speaking for the Lord. You're, you're the Lord is ever before you, always with you, and you're worshiping the Lord and witnessing and evangelism and encouragement and prayer and devotion. Why is everything just going wrong? Like, what, what is, does the Lord not care? Is he not with you? Did you do something wrong or? No. See, this is the one thing that we must understand. That at first, of course, absolutely, examine yourself before the lord as we see in, in daniel for example as uh, he got no response so he chastised himself before god to correct himself to examine himself before the lord to see is it possible that you did get in the way in some way shape or form and if you didn't if you're walking with the lord then just keep walking with the lord because as we see in many a case in this way if everything's going wrong, that means you're doing something right. That's one thing I always try to point out for people to remember, to memorize that, write that down, make a note of that. When everything goes wrong, that's because you're doing something right. Because the devil, the enemy, the flesh, the world hates the lord and will seek to fight against the lord will seek to suppress any promotion of the lord will seek to silence you will seek to silence you in every way and that just means you're doing something right because they'll hate you because of me jesus says in this world you will suffer persecution for his name's sake but be of good cheer he's overcome the world because look at this verse 12 chapter 4 verse 12 beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you look at this look at this chapter 4 verse 12 think it not strange now this same word here as we take a look at chapter 4 verse 4 look at chapter 4 verse 4 wherein they the world the unsaved world the sinners the unsaved world they think it strange that you run not with them. So think about this. How the world sees you, 
and they see it as strange it's different there's something odd about it it's like there's some something wrong with you they think there's something wrong with you that you don't want to be like them it's the same same here as the world thinks you're strange this strangeness uh, of reaction think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try it don't think that it's wrong in fact this is the way it is this is how it's so actually supposed to go when the, the way the world is uh, so sinful and separated from god and hates the lord and fighting fights against the lord what do you think is going to happen when you put godly righteousness in the midst of a sinful dark wicked debaucherous world in a world run by devils how do you think it's going to go you think it's just going to be fine and like some uh, one of those hallmark christmas shows you know it's all it's, it's just easy easy watching it's all so fluffy and nice and warm and fuzzy and you think that that's what's going to be like I'm sorry that if you swallowed the pill from Joel Osteen and all of them that you're going to have your best life now. I'm sorry, but I need to burst your bubble. Uh, that's not the way it's going to go. Because if we're supposed to have our best life now and everything's going to be fine and you're not going not to have any problems, I guess God hated the prophets then. God hated the apostles. God hated the early church because they didn't have their best life now. Think about it. Now, as it says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try, which is to try you. Now, we've talked about before the armor and the weapons of the Lord, the armor and the weapons of the Lord and all the things of the Lord and how we are, uh, he's the potter, we're the clay and how he's fashioning us and he's making us and you know, the final process is to take the formed thing that, that, that you've made out of the clay and put it in the oven to harden it and then to cure it. And we see with uh, uh, blacksmithing and all this that they take the metal and then they fire it. That hardens it and that purges it. So we see the same thing here. We have that the, the saint in service of the Lord now We've discussed the difference between in study and learning the theory and the practical. Theory is the book learning, that you're learning all this material, you're learning all the new stuff. Now, you can only get so much from book learning, from the class, blackboard, whiteboard learning, all the, you know, the theory, uh, theory of the book learning. You actually need to do the hands-on. Now, you read about faith, you hear about faith, you pray about faith, and you research about faith, you think about faith, Now, but how does faith get hardened? How does faith grow and actually be able to put into practice? You need examples to test it. You need to test it. These fiery trials, which are to try you. Now, this trying can be tests from the Lord as the Lord is now putting you into in a state where you can put these things that you have learned into practice or 
It could be because of your service of the Lord, because you're on fire for the Lord, that the devil wants to try you. Now, we see this throughout the scriptures a, a few different times. For one, the famous example is Job. We see another example where Jesus says to Peter that Satan has desired to sift you, to test you, to try you. That the enemy sees that you're on fire for the Lord, that they want to see how, how really devoted you really are. Like, that you say you love the Lord, how much? Let's see. Oh, this person says they're willing to go to all lengths for the Lord? Let's see. You see, one other point is be very careful what you pray about. Be very careful what you say. Because the enemy is going to take you at your word and going to try you. Whenever the enemy hears you say something along the lines of, well, there's nothing that can make me fall away, the devils take that as a challenge. They're going to throw everything at you. Lock, stock, and barrel, they're going to throw everything at you. Because they because they want to prove you a liar. They want to, they want to prove you false. What they want to do is to make you look like an idiot. That you're on fire in the revival service, on fire in the in, in the in church with all the others, and you're shouting amen on fire. They want to make you look like a fool. You're just a weekend warrior. You don't actually take it seriously. That's what they want to do. And the problem with much of today's teaching that we see in a lot of uh, in the realm of Christendom is this light, fluffy fuzzy wuzzy nonsense weekend warriors type preaching where everyone's on fire and they're all talking about how the how the, uh, this is a a time of service and war and they're on fire but they have no teaching about consequences so when consequences do arise spiritual consequences i call it the spiritual backfire the spiritual backfire that you're on fire for the lord and something just blows up in your face you're on fire for the Lord, you're around the corner, and you get hit by the spiritual Mack truck, so to speak. And you don't know what to do. You thought you were doing it all right, and all of a sudden everything just falls apart. Well, what did I do wrong? Nothing. But so many people aren't taught about this. The spiritual consequences. The spiritual backfire. That you need to be mindful of this. This is how the enemy works. They want that they love to work the enemy loves to work in the realm of anonymity. They want to make it look that, that they came and robbed you of your joy. They're the ones that pulled the carpet out from under your feet and everything fell and crashed a big mess. But they want to make it look like it was you that did it. Because they want you to blame you, blame your faith, blame the church, blame God blame something else and to not actually know what's actually going on to be uh, you need to be mindful that if you're going to serve the lord something's going to happen that every single time and it works like clockwork it works like clockwork who here can t tell me uh, that this is true it works like clockwork every single time without fail every single time you have a great day with the Lord. You're on fire for the Lord. You led someone to the Lord. You had a great time of devotion and prayer or whatever, fill in the blank, that within the hour or at some point in, in that day, something bad happens that robs you of all your joy. Every time. Every time. 
every time you have a, a good moment with the Lord in some way, some way, shape, or form, the enemy always comes because they have to be. They can't help it. They have to be because they hate God. They hate Christ. They hate the faith. They hate the joy of the Lord. They hate the joy of the Spirit. They hate the sound of praise. They hate laughter. And they have to kill your joy. Every time. Think it not strange when it happens. Because that's just the way it is. But if you can be mindful of this. Here's, here's the challenge. Here's the hard part. Is remembering exactly this. To be mindful of this. Be mindful of the spiritual backfire. Be mindful of the enemy coming to try to ruin your joy. That if you can retain mindfulness of this, that when it does come and it does happen, it won't hurt as bad. It won't be as much of a problem. It will be easier to pick yourself up because you won't be left in that state of wondering what in the world, what is going on? What did I do wrong? Nothing. When everything goes wrong, that means you're doing something right. Now, I want to be careful in that uh, it's it's not always the devil made me do it situation. It's not always the devil made me do it. Your own flesh will have a hissy fit. That's, that's honestly the way I see it. Your flesh has an absolute hissy fit. That uh, when, when you have a great time of personal revival and repentance and joy and worship and service and fellowship at church or, or you uh, witnessing to people or just a personal time with the Lord, your flesh just goes nuts because it hates everything that you're making it do. So out of just sheer unadulterated rebellion, fleshly anarchy, <laughs> Fleshly anarchy. Your flesh is going to try to override. And it's like almost as if. It's almost like as if a man possessed. You ever have that moment where it's like inwardly, you know it's wrong what you're doing, what you're going to do, or what's happening. You know it's wrong, but for some reason, it's like you can't stop yourself. It's like you can't stop yourself. And you go right through it anyways. What in the world was that? What was that all about? And even afterwards, when all it's all done, and you're standing there like, why did I do that? Well, what did Paul say? What did Paul say in Romans chapter 7? And I have learned that it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Your flesh is not saved. Your flesh is still corrupted by sin. Your flesh wars with your spirit. And sometimes, sometimes, your flesh gets the upper hand and controls you. Your flesh controls you. And it's like you can't stop it. And, it. and the flesh throws its little hissy fit. 
just because it was angry because of the, the, the service of the Lord and it wanted to bite the hand, it wanted to bark back, it wanted to fight back, it wanted to resist in a little, in a little uh, sinful, rebellious uh, position of anarchy. That's, that's all it is. Think it not strange when it happens, that because when we understand this world, when we understand the ways of the flesh, the ways of righteousness, when we understand that it's two people in one body, there's the person of spirit and the person of flesh, there's the saved you and the unsaved you that wars with each other and you cannot do the things you would. And it's going to happen again. I'm telling you right now, you need to brace yourself. This, you're not going to like hearing this. It's going to happen again. And 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 again. Until the day you die or you go to be with the Lord. You have to learn to brace yourself and learn how to be aware of these things and not let these moments, these sinful moments, these moments of anarchy, these moments of tribulation trials, not to allow these dark moments to ruin you. That when it does happen, of course, it's upsetting and all the rest of it. It's frustrating as all get out. But pick yourself up and keep going. Pick yourself up and keep going. Pick yourself up. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Pick yourself up and keep going. That when it happens, it happens. Acknowledge it. And to call on the Lord. Ask the Lord for help and all the rest of this. And keep going. Don't allow the slip-ups don't allow these slip-ups to stop you because that's what the flesh is trying to do the flesh wants you the devils want you the world wants you to just give up just give up just give up if you don't give up, I'm just going to do it again to you, the flesh says, the devil say, the world say. If you don't if you don't give up, we're just going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. You want it, you want it to happen again? That's literally what the flesh is doing. Taunting you. Sin is taunting you. The devils are taunting you. Oh, you're going to go and have a big revival service? You're going to go and hand out tracts? Well, guess what? If you go do that, we're going to, we're going to ruin your joy. We're going to do something to you. We're going to do it again. We're going to do that. That's when you just have to just knuckle down and say, bring it. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you do to me. I don't care where you drag me. I don't care what happens. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. And that's the lesson we also get from Job. That's also the lesson we get from Job. If you don't curse God, I'm going to take away all of your wealth. If you don't curse God, I'm going to destroy your home. If you don't curse God, I'm going to take your family. If you don't curse God, I'm going to take your health. And Job says, though you slay me, yet will I trust in him. Think it not strange, the fiery trials. Think it not strange, all these things that come down, that, that sometimes some things, we see God does not tempt us with sin. God does not tempt us with sin. God uh, uh, does not tempt us in, in that way, but he puts tests of faith, e exams, you could say, exams of faith 
But when it comes sinful things, it's not of God. Make sure we have to understand the dichotomy of how all this works. You got to understand the identity of tests and exams and trials and all these things. So we know what is of God and what is not. We go before the Lord in prayer and fasting and devotion and, and seeking the word to see, okay, what is going on here? What is going on? And when we see clearly what is happening, whether it was of my flesh, the world, the enemy, or just an exam of faith, we know how to respond to it. And in all of this, we see clearly the easiest understanding is the proper response is get up, brush yourself off, keep going. Get up, brush yourself off, keep serving. Don't allow the flesh to stop you. It's taunting you. If you hand out that tract, if you speak for the Lord, I'm going to stir up this person against you. I'm going to cause a family outburst. I'm going to cause a problem at work. I'm going to cause a, a million annoyances in a day just to put you in a bad mood. All because you said you wanted to serve the Lord. They're, they want to kill your joy, stop your faith, and rob you of blessing. The enemy comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Don't let it. Don't let it. When these thieves of sin break into your spiritual house, so to speak, and they rob you blind, the Lord can bring water from a rock. Devote yourself to the Lord. Start over. Start over. You want to you wanna rob, rob me of all that I have? Okay. I'll start over from a cardboard box if I need to. You want to delete all my platforms? Guess what? I'm going to start over. I'm not quitting. You can't stop me. You want to drag me down into a horrible moment of depression and anxiety and fear and sin and all the rest of this for a while? You want to drag me down into the valley of the shadow of death for a, for a week, for a while? Guess what? I'm climbing up in the mountain of praise and I'm going to keep going. You can't stop me. You want to drown me, drown me in, in misery and in wallowing of misery and fear. Guess what? I'm not stopping. Jonah called out from the Lord from Sheol and the Lord brought him back. There's nothing, nothing that can stop you but you. Please understand that. The only reason you give up on the faith is because you just didn't want to keep going. It, it wasn't because you couldn't because you didn't want to because you didn't want to people don't do things because they just don't want to because you gave in you gave in you gave in to the threats you gave in to the threats you gave in to the oppression you gave in to your flesh you gave in to the devils you gave in to the world you compromised you compromised because you could you couldn't take it anymore yes you absolutely could have taken it more you could have kept going you just didn't want to it goes to show that your feelings of the moment is more important to you how you feel is more important to you than service of god what about serving the lord in fear and trembling in life and death in sickness and in health in richness and in poverty in health in strength and in weakness what about giving all your all in all? Have you given your life's blood yet? Look at the martyrs. Look at the martyrs. Look what they went through. Look at the prophets. What they went through. The disciples. What they went through. 
Look what the Lord Jesus went through for you. The least you can do is give your life for him. That doesn't matter. There's literally nothing. Please understand me. There is literally nothing that can stop you except you. There's nothing. There is nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, if I keep going, they'll throw me in prison. Preach to the inmates. Well, if I keep going, they'll, they'll take away all, all my possessions. Live in the wilderness. Well, well what, what, if they, what if they throw me in isolation? I have nothing. Preach to the angels. They'll want to hear it. Don't you ever stop. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try which are come against you. These are just the attempts of the enemy to try to stop the power of God. And good luck with that. Good luck with that. Satan threw absolutely everything he had to try to stop Christ and the disciples. He threw Legion, the gathering demoniac, filled with thousands of devils, the most powerful, satanic, possessed individual in the land, fell fl flat on it on his face before the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil tried his hardest to try to stop Christ from going to the cross, failed. Tried to get him down off the cross, failed. Tried to keep him in the grave, Failed. He tried to they tried to kill Jesus, and Jesus was a baby whipped by Herod's announcement. Failed. He tried everything. Failed. He tried to destroy the nation of Israel. Failed. He the devil tried to stop the start of the church. Failed. He tried to stop the growth of the church. Failed. He tried to stop all of the servants of the Lord by martyring them all. Failed. The devil is a failure. He's a failure. He's a failure at every attempt to stop the faith. And the only thing that'll stop it is you. Because you just didn't want to keep going. Look what all the disciples, the apostles went through. That we might have the faith. And you haven't even gone half through what they've gone through. Look at the things they've gone through. Now I am in no way diminishing the anxieties and the pains and the agonies that you may be going through, every person's own personal trials are, are, are horrible unto themselves. And we can't imagine what each other is going through. But what I'm trying to get across to you is that it's not an excuse for quitting. It's not an excuse for quitting. There is no excuse for quitting. There is nothing, nothing on God's green earth. There is nothing in the pit of hell. There is nothing in all the realm of the universe itself of, of spear and flesh that could get you to quit because you have the power of almighty God at your disposal. The devotion, prayer, and faith and fasting can overcome literally anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Think it not strange when it comes to rather you take these as opportunities. That when it does happen, it's yet another opportunity to see the grace of God and the forgiveness of God again and again and again. Even, even, even if it's the same sin. The same, the same thing that, that, that one sin that we all struggle with, that one thing that we all struggle with again and again, that, that, that constant sin in our lives, 
is an opportunity to see the grace and forgiveness of God, the mercy of God again and again and again. Lord, I did the same thing again. Why can't I stop doing it? But, but he keeps forgiving you. He keeps forgiving you. He keeps forgiving you. Every sin is an opportunity to see the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, that he'll hold you and never let you go. That there's not one kind of sin that you could possibly do that'll make him cast you from his hand. You can't lose your salvation. You can't lose grace. He will, he will never be, be angry at you. He will never not forgive you. He will never resist you. That when you determine yourself before God, you determine yourself to serve him, determine to, to serve no matter what, Though the wolves ring you round about, though the goats ram at you and push you off the cliff edge, though the devils come and rip you asunder, doesn't matter what happens, fill in the blank, there is nothing that you can use as an excuse to stop serving or, or as an example that God will just reject you. We have to understand, fiery trials are the consequences of service. It's what happens when you go out on the battlefield. What did you think the enemy was going to do? Just stand there and let you uh, knock them down? No, they're going to fight back. They're going to fight back with every ounce of strength that they have. The enemy, whether flesh or spirit, is going to fight back tooth and nail and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt you're going to get knocked down again and again and again your armor is going to get bashed and scratched and dented and cracked and things it's gonna happen you're gonna get damaged you're gonna get hurt but he picks you up he he replenishes you he refashions you he heals you he strengthens you he reforges your armor he gives you the strength to stand up again he gives you strength to fight again there's no excuse to give up the enemy is going to bash you about. They're going to gang up on you sometimes. And you're going to have bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad years. It's what's going to happen. But we have to learn how to properly deal with it. And that is to acknowledge that this is reality. You're not going to have your best life now. You're going to have your worst life now. That for the saint, for the saint, this is the closest to hell we'll ever get. For the sinner, this is the closest to heaven that they'll ever get. As one preacher put it, I forget his name, uh, one way to kind of look at it is, is, this is our purgatory, so to speak, to, to use that adage, but uh, that we will be in fire and trial and tribulation in this life. This is the closest to hell we'll ever get. Think it not strange. Do you think it's strange that the enemy soldiers will line up shield wall march at you and fight you, seek to destroy you? Do you think that's strange that the enemy would do that on a battlefield? Do you think it's strange? It's weird? Like, what, what's wrong with this? Why is fire burning me? I don't understand why fire is burning me. <laughs> that's what Peter is saying here. 
Think it not strange when these things that this is how it is. This is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to go down. Don't think it's strange. Don't think that's because you did something wrong. No, it's because you did something right. You trusted Christ. You trusted Christ. You gave your life to Christ. You devoted yourself to Jesus Christ. You wanted to serve the living God. This is the consequence for taking the faith seriously. This is the consequence for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That everything's going to go wrong. You made yourself public enemy number one. Society is going to ridicule you. You're going to lose family, friends. You're going to have problems at work, home, public life, private life. You're going to be beset day and night, night and day, 24-7, 365, to the day you die because the, the world, the flesh, and the enemy hates Jesus Christ and you you chose to take up this fight so don't think it's strange when the enemy wants to take you down think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you that is to try you you're going to be tested. You say you love the Lord. Let's see how much. You say you're willing to suffer for the Lord. Let's see how far you're willing to go. Because the Lord as well at the same time. The Lord at the same time. If we take a look at the story of Job. God did not test Job. God did not test Job. God proved Job. God proved Job. Because the devil saw. Now, now note, note the language. It's really interesting when you go back and look at the story. That Satan. Satan did not bring up Job. He made no mention of Job. God asked the, the devil, what are you doing? The devil says, oh, going to and fro and all, all this. God brought up Job. God turned to the devil and says, Have you considered my servant Job? God wanted to prove something. Because God saw the faith of Job. The, the diligence of Job. The faith, the service, the love of his servant Job. God knew. God knew that Job wouldn't fold. And so, as, a, as an opportunity here to prove the devil a failure, incapable, because the devil is full of, full of such pride and arrogance that the devil thinks he can tear you down. But with the strength of God, it doesn't matter what the what the burning fiery furnace is the lord is walking with you in it god doesn't stop the storms he walks with you in it he gives you the strength to overcome and so god brought up job to the devil have you considered my servant job and the devil in his arrogance and pride said that he could make job curse god and god's like good luck with that and so, and then God says, the only thing you're not allowed to take is life. God put the limit. 
Because as scripture says, God knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And what does the word of God say? He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Now consider that, folks. How to keep going, how to keep going, no matter what is being thrown at you. The Lord says, and God who cannot lie, God who cannot lie said, I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. That means God knows your limits. God knows where your rope ends. And he will not allow you to be pushed beyond that. He'll allow you to be pushed right up to, but not beyond. He'll take your, uh, allow you to go and take you right up to the very last thread of that rope, to the last ounce of strength to hang onto that edge. He will not push you over. I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. God said to the devil, but you can't take his life. And Job trusted the Lord, trusted God. And the devil came at him with everything came at him with everything. Satan destroyed him, destroyed his life, destroyed his home, destroyed his well-being, destroyed his family, destroyed his health. He was covered from head to toe in boils. He was sitting in sackcloth and ashes with a piece of broken pot, scraping the boils. And his friends came, cursed him, told him it was all his fault. And his wife came, told him it was all his fault, just cursed God and died. The whole world turned against him. Everything went in one day. One day. And Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Because Job knew. Job knew. He examined himself. Well, what if, what if, maybe there's something in my life that did. And then the Lord showed up. And the Lord says, no, you just don't understand. You don't understand. It's about me. And the Lord corrected him and extolled him, helped him, strengthened him, encouraged him, taught him. Depend on the Lord and he will bring the answer. He will bring the answer. God did not save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the furnace. They had no idea. They had no idea if they were going to survive or not. That maybe, maybe the king will change his mind. Maybe we'll get away. Maybe there'll be an escape. Maybe something will happen and what will happen. But never in a million years did they think that they, they would actually be thrown in the furnace and it wouldn't harm them. Death wouldn't touch them. God did not save Daniel from the lion's den. And Daniel had no idea what was going to happen. He didn't know if maybe he would make an escape. The king would change his mind or there was something else would happen. But no, he got thrown in. God saved him from death. That's the theme. God saves us from death. All those who believe in me will never die. We're given everlasting life. We know where we're going. And that is what was on the mind of the martyrs as they're thrown in the Colosseum and the lions are barreling down on them. God could turn it around. He could stop their mouths. He could make an escape. But even if not, he saves me from death. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. This world, the Lord could change it around. He could, he could stop the mouth of the lions. He could stop the flames. But even if not, even if not, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him because I know where I'm going. 
You know what keeps you going? When the flesh, the world, and the devils keep on at you, and the fiery trials just keep getting hotter and hotter and seven times hotter, I know where I'm going. The hope of glory, the hope of faith, the hope of peace, the hope of the Lord, that he will always help me, he will always forgive me, he will always hold on to me, he will always provide, he will always make a way of escape, even if that escape is heaven. You see, so many people think that the escape is in this life. May not be. That the escape from the problems is in this life. May not be. He may not stop the mouse. He may not stop the fire. He may not make a physical escape. Our escape then is heaven. That even if not, even if he slays me, yet will I trust in him because I know where I'm going. So think it not strange. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. When the government comes down on you, society turns against you, family turns against you, all, all breaks loose of, of everything of the devils and sin and the flesh and the world, and everything tears you apart and you lose everything. Remember Job. Remember Job. You haven't suffered as bad as Job. You haven't suffered as bad as Job. What was Job's example? Even if. Even if. One of my favorite pictures. Oh, I should have had it queued up. I should have used it here. It would have been so perfect. Uh, one of my favorite pictures. Now, I'm a video gamer. And uh, some of you might not get the uh, the joke here. But it shows uh, the soldier clad in armor. He's fighting a, a fiery dragon. And the soldier... It, uh, it, it shows the fire had billowed around him and he's smoking and he's just standing there. It's a skeleton in an armor suit because he's been completely engulfed by the fire of the dragon. He has one, one health point left. And the dragon's standing there, fire and smoke billowing out and the, and the soldier's standing there just says, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Even if I've been completely consumed, I have no strength left. I have nothing left. Every ounce of my, my ability is gone. I'm dried up like dust. Is that all you got? Is that the best you can do? Because I have God. I have almighty God beside me, around me, within me. Holding me, sealing me, his blood upon me, his name upon me, his righteousness upon me. My name is in his book. I'm a child of the living God. I'm an heir of heaven. Almighty God is my father. Jesus Christ saved me, holds me, loves me, and will never let me go. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Get up. God is able to knit the bones back together and raise up the bones and bring back the sinew, bring back the flesh, bring back the skin, bring even the clothing, and then he brings the armor, and then he gives you the strength to stand up. He strengthens the feeble knees. He confirms the weak ankles. He lifts up the hands which hang down. He puts you in a new voice. He gives you the voice to cry out like a trumpet. He gives you the strength and determined to fight. He teaches my fingers to fight, my hands to war, and he teaches you how to hold the sword how to hold the shield and he pushes you forward and says march there is no excuse 
It doesn't matter what this world throws. It doesn't matter what the pagans do. It doesn't matter how they hoot and holler. It doesn't matter the war cry of the heathen. It doesn't matter the war cry of hell. We have the war cry of Almighty God, and that is all hail King Jesus. You have no excuse to stop. You have no excuse to quit. There is literally nothing you could possibly say that can excuse you before God to give up. There's nothing. Well, they all left me. Look at the rest of the martyrs. Look at the prophets, the apostles, the disciples. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at all down through church history. Look what has happened to the saints. You think it's strange that it's happening to you? It's the same thing happening to you that happened to them. Welcome to the rank of the martyrs. Why do you think it's strange that all of this is happening to you, that everything's going wrong? Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. You were told. You were told in the offset. You were told that this would happen. You were told that it would all go wrong. You were told that you would be hated. You were told that you'd be scoffed and mocked and ridiculed. You were told that you'd be cursed out, that the world would oppress you, persecute you, and try you. You were told that persecutions and tribulations would fall upon you. You were told that even family would turn against you and curse you. You were told that all would be stripped from you. You were told that the devils would come against you. Why do you think it's strange that it's happening? This is the fight you chose. This is the vow you took. This is the oath you gave when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you know that he is God and he can make a way. Even if I don't see how it's physically possible. That's when he does the supernatural. Lord, I see no way out. Of, I have no idea how this is going to work. I, I, it, this is the end, Lord. I don't know where to go. He parts the sea. Lord, I'm lost in the wilderness. I have no idea where to go. And I'm starving and dying of thirst. I don't know what to do. He makes a way in the wilderness and water from the rock. And he brings the manna. Lord, I'm dying. I'm about to die. He raises the dead. What's your excuse? What situation could you possibly even hypothesize that God wouldn't be able to make a way? He changes the minds of, of kings and emperors. He saves the Nebuchadnezzars. He changes and saves the whole, the whole pagan city of Nineveh. He brings the fire for one man on Mount Carmel. He silences the Simon the sorcerers. He saves the Sauls of Tarsus. He can feed the thousands, walk on the water, water from the rock, water to wine. What situation could you possibly even dream up that God is in incompetent? That God can't help you. That he can't save you. He can't change things around. Or even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. Even if. Everything goes wrong. I lose everything. And I wind up in this world. Looking like a complete failure. Complete abject 
failure and everything goes wrong, I know where I'm going. I leave behind no regrets. I serve the Lord to my dying breath. That my epitaph is all hail King Jesus. That my last words out of my mouth is Jesus Christ is Lord. That even if you're going to take my head off or throw me in a dark hole for the, for the rest of my life, all hail King Jesus, let it be so. I know where I'm going. This is what it is. But rejoice. Verse 13. But rejoice. But rejoice. Rejoice in tribulations. Rejoice in persecutions. Rejoice when everything goes wrong. Rejoice when everything goes wrong. But rejoice inasmuch as ye, ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Glad also with exceeding joy. Look what he did in your life. Look where he took you from. Look where he took you from, what he turned you into, and what he's able to do with you. That you are an example of God's power. You are the thorn in the devil's eye. That's what it is. Though the devil may have wrapped himself around you, you're the thorn in his eye. That's why he's taken so much upon you, because you are that loved of God. That's how I see myself. Though I may be consumed by, by the, the ways of the enemy, everything's going wrong. That's because I'm that close to the devil because I'm the thorn in his eye. Someone's got to be the preacher at hell's gate. Someone's got to be the preacher at hell's gate. Someone needs to stand that close to the fires to warn the people in their last breath of the last opportunity. Someone's got to preach to the pagans. Someone's got to preach to the heathens. Someone's got to stand on the front lines. Someone has to draw, draw the, the full impact, the brute force of the enemy. Someone's got to be the shock troop of heaven. You know what? Lord, here am I. Send me. Do you think it's strange that the enemy's going to do that then? Oh, the enemy's going to bring it upon you. And I'm also going to catch it. I'm going to catch it for this message. I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. But you know what? Bring it. All you're doing is enhancing and strengthening my faith. Because every time you fight against me, every time you oppress me, that just proves that I'm right. The only reason that the enemy in the flesh and the world fights against you is because you're preaching Christ. But if you sat down and shut up, it'll all go away. What does that tell you? When you sit down, shut up, it all goes away. What does that tell you? It's because of Christ. It's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus Christ. When you preach Jesus Christ, all the powers of hell will break loose. When you serve Jesus Christ, your flesh loses its mind. When you witness Jesus Christ, the world will want to shut you down. They'll want to censor, censor your comments. They'll want to shut down your videos. They'll, they'll want to dox you. They'll want to arrest you. They'll want to charge you with hate crime. They'll send the pagans and the heathens and the atheists and the debaucherous after you to trouble you. They'll try to chain up your church. They'll arrest the preachers. They'll arrest the ministers. They'll, they'll uh, make hate speeches the gospel tracts they'll ban the bible fill in the blank it's because of jesus christ but rejoice with exceeding joy because you're right they're wrong it doesn't matter if the entire eternity of the world it, uh, if all the world and all eternity was against you and you're the only one you're still right 
because you're in the Lord. You're serving the Lord. You're believing the Lord. You're trusting the Lord. You're right there wrong. One man on Mount Carmel, 400 prophets of Baal. We see King Ahab and all of Israel was against him. And he was the only one. He was right there wrong. Think about it. If no one else stands with you, that doesn't mean you're wrong. That just means you're standing alone in the Lord. And that doesn't make you any less weak. That doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you incompetent. One person with God is in the majority. One person with God is in the majority. Think of that. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Look what they did to your master. Look what they did to your master. Look what they did to him. How they spat on him and cursed him and slapped him and punched him and ripped out his beard. They whipped him to hamburger. They dislocated his joints. They pounded a crown of thorns into his skull, dragged him out of the city, nailed him to a cross and speared him while cursing him and mocking him. And, you, and the, if they can do that to your master, what makes you think that they won't do that to you? If the flesh, the enemy, and the world can do that to our master, what makes you think that the flesh, the world, and the enemy aren't going to turn against you? So when you're sitting in sackcloth and ashes, tell them to bring it. Even if you have one health point left, you have no strength. Is that all you got? Because they're not fighting you. They're fighting God. He's got infinite health, infinite strength, infinite power, and he never loses. He never loses. Because the enemy can't slap God. They slap him by proxy through you. Because they can't spit on God. They'll spit on God by proxy through you. Because they, because they can't curse God in such a way to fight against him, they do by proxy through you. Because they can't arrest God, they'll arrest him by proxy through you. Because they can't kill God, they'll kill God by proxy through you. Now do you understand? Now do you understand the fiery trials? And yes, we all know how this ends. One of my favorite lines of one of my favorite songs is, I've read the back of the book. We win. I've read the back of the book. We win. When the devils come at you in the night, they bring you the night terrors and the nightmares and the oppressions. Laugh at them. Is that all you got? Because I know someone you're terrified of. I know someone that you're terrified of. Someone that thousands of you fell on your face before him in terror, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think that when the devils show up in the night terrors and the, and the sleep paralysis, why they always shut your mouth so you can't speak? They close your throat so you can't speak because they know if you did, you'd say the name of Christ and they hate him. They're terrified of him. They're terrified of Jesus Christ. They're even terrified of hearing his name. That's why they shut your mouth. So don't be terrified of the devils. Be not terrified of men. Fear not him which can kill the body. 
I only fear the Lord. I fear nothing else. That ye may be glad with exceeding joy. The joy of spirit, the joy of heart, the joy of the Holy Ghost, the joy of God, the joy of Jesus Christ that is that is so powerful, it runs up from, from uh, the inside, it pours out in speech and praise and work and service. The joy of the Lord that even in absolute, what would seem like abject failure, is this opportunity to see the power of God. Those who serve the Lord are no failures. Those who preach for the Lord are no failures. That even when all your congregation walks away, you're not a failure. When your family walks away, you're not a failure. When all falls apart, you're not a failure because it's not your job. It's not your work. It's his. It's something he's showing you, something he's walking you through because someone's got to do it. Someone has to go through this. Someone's got to preach to those people. Do this work. Someone's got to do the hard jobs. Someone's got to go through the valleys of the shadow of death. Because the Lord calls all, draws all. Because you have no idea who's watching. God is using you as an opportunity. Someone's watching. Someone's listening. Even if you don't think they are. Job's wife was watching that even in this job was a lesson to his wife job was a lesson to the people job was a lesson to his friends even if they turned against him you're a lesson you're an observation you're an item of praise of god you're a witness of the lord even when everything goes wrong. Look at John the Baptist. He had nothing. He had nothing. Lost everything. And then, and then he was arrested, imprisoned, threatened with execution. He stayed faithful. Oh, sure, he got shook. He had a moment. He had a moment. A moment of weakness. John the Baptist had a moment of weakness when he told one of his uh, one of his disciples to go and ask Jesus, "Are you the one?" But what did he do when John the Baptist had his moment of weakness, his moment of doubt? What did he do? He sought the face of Christ. What did Christ do? Reminded him of the truth. Reminded him of the faith. Jesus didn't save him from the dungeon. Jesus didn't save him from the execution. He didn't save him from his predicament. He didn't go there uh, go there and tear the bars open and free him from the jail. Because John the Baptist's escape was heaven. He served his purpose for God. Your purpose is to stay faithful regardless of of the situation to stay faithful regardless of the circumstances regardless of the fire regardless of the den regardless be glad with exceeding joy like paul and silas thrown in prison after being beaten thrown in jail in the deepest cell in stocks and chains in darkness of a dungeon and they praised the lord even if even if they had no idea they had no idea if the lord was going to free them they didn't know if they're ever going to get out 
They didn't know if that was the end. That's the end of the ministry of Apostle Paul and Silas. Right there. That's the end. Even if they're going out praising. They're going out praising. That their last words are all hail King Jesus. Their last words is Jesus Christ is Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. That Paul the Apostle's last words as he laid his head on that chopping block. I guarantee you. He was witnessing the gospel to the executioner. He wasn't bargaining for his life. He, wa he wasn't trying to find an escape. He wasn't thinking of how can I get out of this. He wasn't panicking and, and freaking out. No, he was faithful to the Lord right up into death. I guarantee you he gave the gospel to the executioner. The example, as we saw throughout 1 Peter, is Jesus Christ left us an example. Even though he was nailed to the cross, beaten, whipped, and tortured beyond imagining, hanging on the cross in agony, writhing in pain, forgave them. Witnessed the truth. And saved the thief. What's your excuse? You say, well, that, well, that's God on the cross. That's God. Yeah, but look at Paul. Look at John, Matthew, Mark. Look, look at uh, John the Baptist. Look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Look, look at them all. Look at all down through all the saints and the prophets of God. Look at, look at Elijah, Elisha. Look at these ones. Look what they went through. They were faithful. If ye be reproached, verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. What's your excuse? We have no idea what I'm going through. You're right, I couldn't imagine. But still no excuse to give up. You, but, you, but look what they're doing to me. Look what they're saying about me. Tell them to bring it. Because there's literally nothing. There's literally nothing that they could possibly say that can invalidate the word of God. There's literally nothing they could possibly do that can invalidate the promises of God. There's literally nothing that hell could possibly bring that can invalidate the salvation of God. There's literally nothing, no name under heaven given among, among men that could possibly invalidate the name of God. There is nothing you can't lose. Do you not see that? You can't lose. We can't lose. We can only quit. But still, that doesn't invalidate it. You just threw your sword down because you got scared. But isn't that what the devil does? That if he can't tempt you off, if he can't persecute you off, he's going to try to scare you off. Bring it. There is nothing that the devils, the world, the flesh could possibly say or do that can invalidate the power, the name, the spirit, and the blood of Almighty God. There's nothing. Oh, they'll speak evil. They'll curse and mock and scoff and ridicule and persecute and harm and arrest and all the rest of it. 
They will try everything they have against you. Bring it. Yet, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, verse, verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the glory of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God. Look at verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Watch what you're doing. Watch your reaction. It doesn't matter what they say, what they do. Don't you dare return evil for evil. Don't lower yourself like them. It doesn't matter what they've done. Do not react in flesh. It doesn't matter what they've said. Do not react in flesh. It doesn't matter what that what they're going to do to your family or whatever else. Do not react in flesh. That's what he's saying here in verse 15. Be mindful. Be careful. Because in the moment, that's how the devils will work. That what they want to do, and what the flesh, the world, and the enemy wants to do, is they want to overpower you. They want to pour it upon you in such a way that you'll have that moment, that little moment where you forget and you slip up and you react inappropriately and you ruin your testimony. That's all they want. That's all they want. That's all they want. Because if, if they can't get your soul, they'll want to ruin your usage. If the devils can't have your soul, they want your usage. The flesh, if it, can't, if it can't get you to serve the flesh, it's going to make you unusable. The world, if they can't shut you down, they're going to get you to compromise. Don't give in. Don't give in. Suffer as a Christian. Suffer as a Christian. I'm a Christian first. I'm a Christian first and foremost in anything and everything. I'm a Christian first. Now, what does it mean to be a Christian? Christian, Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, a disciple of Christ. That's what a Christian is, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Suffer as a Christian. Don't suffer as you. Don't suffer as you. Suffer as a Christian. You die to your own identity. You die to your own self. You die to your feelings, your opinions. You die to your thoughts and, and all of your relevances. You die to everything. You live only as a Christian. You have one purpose, and that is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Because you did nothing wrong. Serving the Lord is not wrong. Witnessing is not wrong. Witnessing the gospel is not wrong. What? situation or circumstance could you possibly think of where witnessing the truth of Christ is inappropriate? The world will tell you, Yo, you shouldn't say it here or you need to be more mindful of their feelings of this and they'll try to make you feel bad about being the witness of Christ. They'll try to make you feel like the bad guy or you did something wrong or you represented it inappropriately or some way, some way, shape or form. But when is it wrong to witness for Christ? What situation could you possibly think of where it's wrong to be a witness of Christ? We're Christians first. Unashamed. Unashamed 
bold as a lion, bold as a lion, harmless as a dove, wise as a serpent, uncompromising, uncompromising. I do not care what the world says. I'm a born again Christian, a witness of Christ, unashamed. I will not bow the knee to any form of intimidation. I'm a witness of Christ. I will not be intimidated. I don't care if it's my own flesh. I don't care if it's devils of hell. I don't care uh, what powers of society it may be. I will not be intimidated. I don't care what kind of flaming dragon comes crawling up out of the pit of hell at me. I will not be intimidated. I will preach Christ in my dying breath. I will serve the Lord in faithfulness and truth, and I will not be intimidated. I am unashamed. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Because I'm telling you, I have seen the most terrifying thing. I have seen the most terrifying thing, and it's not from hell. I have seen and witnessed, and so have you. You've just forgotten that we have all seen the absolute most terrifying thing that could possibly ever be. You know what that is? That there's nothing that your flesh, the world, or the devils could ever come even close to being this terrifying. And that is, we have all witnessed the judgment of God before you got saved. On that moment, in that moment, when you saw that you were a sinner, you saw that the power of the cross, your eyes were opened, you saw the, the sacrifice of Christ, you saw your sin, and you saw your destination of hell and the wrath of God. There is literally nothing more terrifying than that. And I've been saved from that. So have you. We've been saved from that. There's nothing that anything else could even come close to being that bad being that terrifying and we survived if we can survive that by the power of jesus christ i can survive anything if by the power of jesus christ i survived and was rescued from the wrath of god and the fires of hell i can survive absolutely anything bring it because jesus christ saved me from the absolute worst thing that could ever be think about that you have the power of Almighty God upon you. You have the Spirit of Almighty God within you. You have the name, the Spirit, the blood, and the power of Jesus Christ upon you. You have the power of Jesus Christ at your side. You have a host of angels uh, swarming around you. You are encamped round about by the Spirit of Almighty God. What are you going to do? Sit down and cry? It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they do, what they say, what, what, how many times. It doesn't matter how many times a day they make you fall. The mercy of God never runs dry. The grace of God never runs dry. The forgiveness of God never runs dry. It's not at your 50th fall in sin a day and, the God, and God's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. You're, you're too troublesome. I'm done. I'm out. He'll never do that. It doesn't matter if you fall a thousand times a day. 
10,000 times a day. Make up a number. He'll never walk away. Every single time, he'll bend over, pick you up, brush you off, cleanse you, and say, let's keep going. Because that's just who he is. That's just who he is. The most infinite, almighty, sovereign, powerful God, our Lord Jesus Christ, cares about you, you personally, intimately, that much. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness without limit. Because that's just who he is. He will help us through anything. He'll give us strength to either overcome or strength to endure. Like the martyrs of the Colosseum. He didn't give them strength to overcome. He gave them strength to endure. That when they were tied to the burning posts and the fires were engulfing them, they would burst. It was recorded. It was recorded down time and time and time and time again when they would burn the saints at the burning poles that the saints would break out in song. They would break out in song. They would break out in praises of God. He gives you grace in the moment. He gives you strength to, to overcome, strength to endure, because that's just who he is, because we are examples of his power. We're examples of his grace, examples of his forgiveness, examples of his mercy, examples of his salvation, because that's just who he is. Think it not strange when the fires con uh, come to consume you, because that's just the enemy trying to get you to quit. But if you understand who you are in him, there's nothing they could possibly do to make you stop. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Our souls are held in the hand of God, not your flesh. Your souls are saved. Your souls are saved. Held in the hand of God, he will never let go. Even if they burn your bodies, your souls in the hand of God. Though they, though they persecute and cause trouble and fiery tribulation to your bodies, your soul is in the hand of God. Understand it properly. Understand it properly. He'll never let go. It doesn't matter if they saw you asunder. They feed you to the lions. They burn you at the stake. They throw you in the dungeons. They beat you, curse you, spit on you, mistreat you, or whatever else. Doesn't matter what they do, no matter how the situation comes about, what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter how big the dragons are. Your souls are in the hand of the living God. Your soul is in the hand of the living God. And he stepped out of the grave. He stepped out of the grave. 
I have power to lay down mine own life and take it up again. They didn't kill him. They couldn't. He laid down his life and he brought it back again. All those who believe in me will never die. I am the resurrection and the life. Believest thou this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Jesus says. Do you believe that I am able to do this? It doesn't matter what situation arises. It doesn't matter what demon of hell comes out. It doesn't matter how many times a day your flesh causes you to fall in sin again and again and again. God is faithful and just to forgive us, strengthen us, help us. He is our intercessor. He's our mediator. He's our advocate. He's our redeemer, our savior, our God. Our Lord knew. Our Lord knew at the beginning, before the beginning of time. He knew your strengths and weaknesses. He knew that you are incapable. He knows that, that you're going to fall again. It's, the, it's an example of the boast of God, not the boast of you. It's a boast of God, of his ability to hold on to you, even though you're squirming and wiggling, trying to get out of his hand to fall back in sin because that's what your flesh wants. He knows he chose you regardless. He holds you regardless. He saved you regardless. It's the boast of God, not the boast of you. Our strengths are in him, not us. Our strength is in him able to fix the problem. It's not our challenge to fix the problem. It's his challenge to fix the problem. The burning fiery furnace was God's problem. The den of lions was God's problem. Mount Carmel was God's challenge, not Elijah's. Pharaoh and all of Egypt was God's challenge, not Moses and Aaron. Stop looking at it as your challenge. The family turning against you is God's problem, not yours. I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Amen. All God's people said amen. It's real. It's real, folks. It is more real than we could ever imagine. It is more real than we could ever imagine. And that's what, that's what sin wants us to forget. Sin, whether of flesh or spirit, wants us to forget that he is able. Wants us to question his ability. To question his promises. To forget what he has done before. To stop being remembrancers of the Lord. Sin wants us to compromise. Wants us to take up the challenge ourselves. Wants us to make it about us. When the story is all about him. It's the boast of God, not the boast of man. It's his story, not ours. Now you remember in scripture, 
in the volume of the book it is written of him. Right? In the volume of the book it is written of him. That in every book, every story, all down through, it's all about him, right? Right? You're just an additional story. You're just an additional story. You're an additional book. In the volume of the book of your life, it's written of him. There you go. Wrap it up there. So with that, that wraps up First Peter chapter 4. Think it not strange. Because we have these ideas that if I serve the Lord, it's going to be just amazing crusades of faith and and everything will be all great and wondrous and like like fields of daisies you know everything's gonna be all great and wonderful best life now we, we have this delusion that would be amazing if that was the case but that's just not how it is in this sinful world it's a war it's a war our peace is in the Lord. Our peace is not in flesh or this world. Our peace is in the Lord. Not in earthly situations and circumstances. Our peace is in the Lord alone. And until you come to grips with that, you're just making it harder on yourself. So with that, where do we go from here? Consider these things. Consider what I said. Take it to heart. Look these things up yourself. Do the research. Do the study yourself. Look these things up. Where is your peace coming from? Why do you keep thinking it's just going to get better? It's a war. And the more you dedicate yourself to the Lord, the worse it's going to get. I know people say, well, that's not very comforting. How so? That just means you're looking at you're looking at the weaponry of the enemy. You're looking at the fire of the devil. You're looking at the fierceness of the dragon. You're not looking at the eyes of Christ. If you lock your eyes on the eyes of Christ, it doesn't matter what it is. Stop looking at the situation. Stop looking at the challenge. Stop looking at the trouble. Stop looking at the fire. Start looking at Jesus Christ. The more you focus on him, the more you look at him, the more you think of his ability, his strength, that it's his challenge, that he is able to either overcome or help you endure. That it doesn't that it doesn't matter what it is, he'll either help you overcome or endure. But either way, either case, even if he slays me, even if it means the end of my life, so be it. Lord, if this means I have to die, let's go out with a bang. 
Let's go out with the greatest praises. Let's go out on the greatest message. Let's go out on praising the, the loudest. Let's go out witnessing to the most. Lord, let, let me go out singing your praises. That's the focus. All hail King Jesus. There you go. So with that, wrap it up there. All right. Now I'm out of breath. <laughs> okay. All hail King Jesus. All hail King Jesus. Tell the enemy to bring it. Tell the enemy to bring it. They'll never win. They can't win. They can't win. I've read the back of the book. I know how it turns out. We win. Jesus Christ is Lord. All hail King Jesus. Look at him. Stop looking at the waves. All right. So with that, wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining in. God bless you folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God Almighty, our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. And if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. <laughs>